Attention! This makes absolutely no sense. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Xander's Facts. Oh, what is up, everybody? Welcome into the latest edition of the Xander Specs Podcast. I am, of course, the aforementioned Xander. It is Wednesday, August 30th, 2023, episode 116, 116 of the podcast this week, y'all. It's a big podcast. This is one of my favorite podcasts that we do every year. It's the third time, the third year now, that I have the honor of presenting the Xander's Facts College Football Season Preview Podcast. There may be a hurricane in Florida right now. It may feel humid as you know what outside, but it is football season because it is the end of August and every single year that means it is football season. So we've got the whole preview, everything you need to know about the college football season, the top teams, Who's going to, I mean, of course I made my picks for who's going to make the four-team playoff, the national championship. There's also, of course, the conference realignment stuff. We kind of talk about that, but that's kind of off-season chatter. We're into the season now, so we want to talk about what's actually going on in the field. So we get into all that with all the facts on this week's edition of the podcast. Before we get to all that, though, just wanted to remind you all that if you like the Zaders Facts podcast, if you think you're going to like all the facts... On this week's edition, remember to follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 116, rate and review the podcast as well, and then check us out on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads, TikTok, all those, at Zader's Facts, that is Zader with a Z, and most importantly, remember to tell all your friends around here, we like to call it, spread the facts! Xander's Facts Podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts. If you don't know, it's a recap of the week's top headlines that I write up. It comes out every Sunday morning. You can sign up for free in this episode's description. And also check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need for the podcast, the newsletter, the socials, all that stuff. You can find it on the Xander's Facts link tree, which is also linked in this episode's description. And also, you should check out any of our past episodes. Because you might have missed some facts. There's 115 past episodes of facts. Like two weeks ago, we totally broke down the fourth indictment of former President Donnie Boy. If you want to go listen to that, that was two weeks ago. We had a flashback last week, episode 115, and a bunch. Well, all of our other podcasts you can go listen to wherever you get your podcasts. So this week... We're not talking about Donnie Boy or politics or any of that stuff. We're just talking about football. Big game alert! Y'all, it's a great time of the year because everybody's undefeated. Well, actually, some teams have already played and they lost. Most teams are undefeated, which means every fan, every team, everybody is hopeful for now. That's going to end pretty soon. But for now, we're all hopeful, including me, which gets me hype. So we are talking, as you know, college football this week. The season kind of has already started. We had week zero. A couple games happened last Saturday, but the bulk of the action, it starts this Saturday with week one. Now, as I said, we're going to talk a bunch about what's happening on the field, actually, because that's kind of what matters when you watch the game. But we'll also have to talk about the big off-season drama show, conference realignment. It's inevitable, apparently. It's 
ongoing as we speak right now on Tuesday night, Tuesday, August 29th. It's happening uh, still after all the stuff that happened in the offseason, which you kind of have to talk about. There's more stuff, which I'm actually going to get to in just a second. But this is kind of different in a sense because all that conference realignment stuff kind of makes it so like this is the end of an era in college football because it's the last year that Texas and Oklahoma are in the Big 12, the conference they helped found like back 25 years ago. Same for USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington, whoever else is leaving the Pac-12. Who knows if the Pac-12 is even going to be a thing by this time next year. That's kind of sad. And it's also, we knew this before all of this other stuff, it's the last year of the four-team playoff. We got 12 schools in the playoff next year. So it's kind of like the end of an era this year because there's a couple things that are changing coming into the season but there's going to be a whole heck of a lot more that we're going to have to talk about a year from now that's changed. So for now, let's just cherish it. We don't have to worry about most of that stuff for now. We can just take a look at this season, what's going to be going on on the field. Football, y'all! Let's break it down with the facts you are only going to find on Xander's facts. I mean, we got a ton of questions to ask for this season. Is Georgia going to win a historic third consecutive national championship. Can any team emerge from the fog and make a run like TCU did last year? Nobody expected them to even, I don't think many people expected them to finish to the top of the Big 12, let alone get to the national championship game. And also, can the Wildcats of Northwestern win a game in the United States of America, which they failed to do last year, by the way? Good question. All those questions and more are going to be answered on the Xander's Facts 2023-2024 college football season preview, which we are finally getting to six minutes into the podcast. Let's get started. We've got, for this season, five power conferences to break down. Let's do it. So let's start with, oh, you know Xander's favorite, the Atlantic Coast Conference, the ACC. ACC for now has been immune to the conference realignment spectacle, although that looks like it's going to change because... The stuff I was talking about earlier, how conference realignment's still going on right now as we speak, that's because the ACC is still talking about bringing in three new schools. And we're not talking about teams that are exactly on the Atlantic coast either. We're talking about Stanford and California from the Pac-12. Yes, the Pacific, not the Atlantic. And also SMU from the American Athletic Conference. They're all requesting that the ACC bring them in. We've even got Condoleezza Rice, who is basically preaching the praises of the Cardinal, apparently. I mean, these schools want to get in so bad that apparently SMU is willing to not take any media rights money until, for like seven years, they won't get any media rights money from the ACC. So... They won in pretty badly. They just want to play at a higher level, I guess, than the American Athletic Conference, the AAC. And then you've got Stanford and Cal, who apparently are not going to, if they get admitted in, and by the time you listen to this podcast, the ACC might have already voted to admit them, because apparently, according to the reports at least, as of Tuesday night, it's continuing to gain momentum that that's likely going to happen. So those two schools, Stanford and Cal, of course, 
Eight schools have already left the Pac-12. They're leaving next year. Stanford and Cal, along with Oregon State and Washington State, are kind of just there now. So they kind of need a place to go. Even if that is the ACC, where the westernmost school right now is, I guess, Notre Dame or Louisville or, you know, what are those two? Like, I mean, I guess USC and UCLA are going to the Big Ten. But, I mean, still, I don't like it. But at this point, I mean, I don't know. Whatever. Forget all that, though. That's not happening this year. We've got to talk about the current ACC, which is also going to look a bit different this year. Not because of the teams but because of how they're situated, basically. Because we had the Atlantic and the Coastal Divisions we all love so much, Coastal Chaos. Those are gone. So now, it's everyone for themselves. The top two teams, by record, are meeting in the conference championship game. So, let's get to those teams. Finally, let's actually talk about some teams and some players. Let's start out, though, with... Number nine in the preseason AP poll. All the rankings that I give you are probably going to come from the preseason AP poll, which is basically what everybody's using right now because the college football playoff rankings don't start until the end of October. So number nine in that poll is Clemson, the class of the ACC for almost a decade, basically. Now, they continued their two-year streak of finding themselves last year, though. They did win 11 games. Of course, you know, For Clemson under Dabo Sweeney, they kind of expect more, and they also won the ACC last year, but they did suffer their first loss to in-state rival South Carolina since 2013, and of course they didn't make the college football playoff for the second consecutive year. But their quarterback, DJ Uyagale, is off to Oregon State, we're talking about the Beavers in a little bit, and offensive coordinator Brandon Streeter, he was fired, so in comes TCU offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. You remember what TCU did last year, and sophomore quarterback Cade Klubnick, who started the last couple of games last year, but he's backed up by a couple of experienced running backs. You've got Will Shipley, Phil Maffa, and if they find a couple star receivers this year, they've got another strong defensive lineup. Clemson, obviously, with Dabo Sweeney, never count him out. They could always find their way into the top four, but actually... Clemson is not the highest-ranked ACC squad in the preseason AP Top 25 poll. What? It's a little surprising, but that would belong to the team right above them at number 8, the Florida State Seminoles. And you better believe that their September 23rd meeting between those two schools in Death Valley is going to be, as of now, the highlight of the ACC regular season. Write it down, y'all. September 23rd. I mean, it's got a good chance to be the college game day game if both teams go into it undefeated. Ohio State and Notre Dame is also that week, so that may... We'll see. But the Seminoles are going to have a tough time getting into that game undefeated because they have the game of the week this coming week, week one, to start the season against LSU, who is number five in the poll. That game is Sunday in Orlando. And it's going to be a good one, y'all. Only top 10 game of the week. So that's going to be the big highlight. Sunday night, day before Labor Day. But they've got quarterback Jordan Travis. Florida State does. He's a top QB. Probably not just in the league, but maybe in college football. So you remember a couple years ago, Jimbo Fisher had this program at the end. It wasn't too pretty. You remember when Alabama played Florida State to start the season? It was like 2017, 2018, something like that. Alabama was number one, Florida State was number three, 
it, you know, preseason rankings come on, but they get you hyped up. And it, this game was monumentally hyped. And Alabama destroyed them. And Florida State went on to have a terrible season. And when Jimbo Fisher left, they were kind of struggling. But their head coach, Mike Norvell, he's done a tremendous job bringing it back up into a title contender. I mean, they're number eight in the preseason poll. They've got Trey Benson in the backfield, former Michigan State receiver Keon Coleman. FSU, especially on offense, should be an exciting watch. And if they can beat LSU on Sunday, it's on ABC in prime time, they'll have solidified themselves as contenders for the playoff already. And then they've got that game against Clemson. If they can beat Clemson... Watch out. The solely remaining ACC team that is ranked, though, is at number 21. That would be North Carolina. But I, let me tell y'all, I seem to remember two years ago, Carolina was ranked number 10 coming into the season, and they came to Lane Stadium, first game of the year, and they got shut out. They didn't score any points. Mac Brown couldn't even find his headset. Whoops. So it's wait and see for me. But there's a lot of people hyping up UNC's quarterback, Drake May, the brother of, by the way, UNC basketball's Luke May. He's already being talked about as a Heisman contender, he, and he's only a sophomore, but he did throw for over 4,300 yards and 38 touchdowns last year, so it may be deserved if he takes another leap. But the story since Mac Brown, their head coach, returned to Chapel Hill has been high expectations, followed by letdowns. They haven't won the conference, haven't gotten to a playoff. So, I mean, luckily, they don't face Clemson until November 18th, and by that time, maybe the offense is rolling. But they do have a very important game against an up-and-coming South Carolina team to start the year this Saturday night on ABC. So that's going to be a good one to watch as well to start your college football season. We've also got in the ACC, Pittsburgh, who you may remember won the conference two years ago. But Phil Dracovic, you probably remember him from Notre Dame and Boston College. He is likely their starting quarterback, but there are lots of holes to fill, especially on defense. But they were one of three ACC teams to finish last season ranked. Clemson and Florida State were the other two. You've also got NC State. They have a new quarterback in Brendan Armstrong. ACC fans will know him from UVA. And apparently, we're kind of not trying to talk about the teams that are projected to finish at the bottom on this podcast, just, you know, to move things along. But the expectations for UVA are like, maybe they'll win a game. Like, apparently they're supposed to be really bad, which, you know, whoops. But perhaps the biggest surprise of last year in the ACC was Duke. Duke is not a football school, y'all. It's a basketball school. But they won nine games last year under first-year head coach Mike Elko. For the first time since 2014, they won nine games. And Riley Leonard is the quarterback looking to repeat that performance. Of course, they want to win nine games. They'll likely have to win one against either Clemson, Florida State, UNC, or Notre Dame. Like, they get the big four in the ACC on their schedule this year. So it's going to be tough for the Blue Devils to repeat that performance. We've also got Louisville. They are one of two schools who have a new coach. Georgia Tech is the other. Jeff Brom left Purdue to coach at Louisville, and he's bringing in 25 transfers, which is most in the ACC. You might think that's a lot, but there's, other, there's another school that's bringing in a lot more, which we'll talk about when we get to the West Coast. 
And so the Cardinals of Louisville will be an interesting experiment this year. You've also got Mario Cristobal looking to not repeat last year's disaster for Miami. That included a home loss to Middle Tennessee State. And then Wake Forest. Wake Forest has been a pretty good team the last few years, but their quarterback, Sam Hartman, he's at Notre Dame now. So times after him may be a little harsh this year for the Deeks, the Diva Deacons. And then, oh, y'all, my favorite, we got our Hokies of Virginia Tech. And let me tell y'all, they only won three games last year, but guarantee it, they will win more than three games next year. How about that? Judge Xander. My Hokies. All right, so that's the ACC. I would like to talk about Virginia Tech more, but in this podcast, I don't think we can without everybody yelling at me. So it is time to make some ill-advised preseason predictions you should totally bet your house on, by the way. Because last year, I had NC State and Miami meeting in the ACC title game, which I don't know. Someone must have, like rigged my brain or something like I don't I couldn't have made those silly picks but anyway we're back to the facts this year and it looks like the consensus is Clemson and Florida State because it's now the two best teams Clemson and Florida State previously couldn't meet in the conference championship game because they're in the same division but now we don't have divisions so they can so I don't think I'm going to stray from the fray there I like Clemson and Florida State And as much as I don't like Dabo Sweeney beating up on us ACC underlings and other things he has to say sometimes, I've been a little more angry at Florida State this offseason because of their perceived greatness. They believe we deserve more money than everybody else in the ACC. And we need to leave right now. But they haven't won anything in 10 years. So win something and then talk, okay? So I'm going with Clemson to win the conference for totally legitimate reasons. But, you know, they're also pretty good at football. So I've got Clemson, book it, y'all, winning the ACC this year. Xander's facts. But we got four conferences to go. One down, four to go. Let's go to the newly expanded Big 12 Conference. The big moves haven't hit the other conferences yet. They really haven't even hit the Big 12 yet. But the Big 12 is the only Power 5 conference to have changed its membership in the offseason. That includes independent BYU, along with three teams from the American Athletic Conference, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Because you remember, Texas and Oklahoma, this is their last year. And Pac-12 homies, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah are coming in to replace them next year. So the Big 12 was at 10 teams previously. This year, it's at 14. Texas and Oklahoma leave. It was going to drop to 12. But because we get four new schools, next year, it's going to be 16. But they're not changing their name, y'all. It'll still going to be the Big 12. Let's find out, though, if the changes that we've got this season are going to make a difference at the top of the league. So, let's start with number 11 in the AP poll. Now, the Big 12 has more preseason poll teams in the ACC, 4-3. to three. Of course, the ACC has two above the first one, which is number 11. That would be, however, Texas. Are they back, y'all? We asked that question two years ago. We asked it last year. People were asking it 10 years ago. Are they back? Let's ask it again. The answer, well, maybe, I guess. Because y'all remember last year, Texas was just one point away from beating number one at the time, Alabama at home. So we kind of thought Texas might be back last year, 
Turns out, you know, they ended up going 8-5. and five. But their quarterback was named Quinn Ewers. You may know that there is a Manning who is a quarterback who is in Austin now. That would be Arch, son of Cooper, the brother that wasn't as successful as football as, you know, his brothers Eli and Peyton. But Arch Manning, who very hyped as a high school quarterback, who's now at Texas, likely isn't starting. Quinn Ewers, who was the quarterback last year, likely is. And when you take a look at the 8-5 record from last year, the four games they lost when Ewers was the quarterback, when he was starting, were all one-score games against teams that were ranked, at the time, in the top 15. This is true. So, like, Texas may not have officially been back last year, but they were pretty darn close. And this year, we might not have to wait long to answer that question if, are they back? Because week two, the Texas Longhorns, after facing Rice to open the season, they better, they need to beat Rice. Week two, they head down to Tuscaloosa for a rematch with Alabama in primetime on ESPN. Y'all, that is going to be a massive game. If Texas can get back to their championship contending heights anytime soon, it feels like this would be the year if they can beat Nick Saban and Alabama. That is, of course, very hard to do wherever you're playing. But Texas has receiver Xavier Worthy, Jatavion Sanders, and the entire offensive line are returning, while linebacker Jalen Ford is the league's preseason defensive player of the year. So I gotta say, this might finally be the year for the Longhorns. In their last year at the top of the conference they helped create back in 1994. They're leaving, y'all. But remember, Texas wasn't in last year's Big 12 championship game. But you know who was? That would be number 16, Kansas State. We all remember TCU's run from last year, but how about Kansas State? They had a big run last year. They won the Big 12 championship game, but they're losing some notable talent. Running back Deuce Vaughn, he's gone, but starting quarterback Will Howard returns along with the entire starting offensive line, and Howard is going to have Iowa transfer Keegan Johnson to throw the ball to. So hopefully it's not too much of a rebuild for Kansas State. Now, you remember last year, they beat TCU in overtime in the Big 12 championship game. That was absolutely impressive. But if they could make it back to Arlington in December this year, that would be probably an even bigger step for the program. But you remember their head coach, Chris Kleiman, he won four FCS national championships at North Dakota State. So the man knows how to win. So I would say Kansas State's in pretty good hands right now. But then, you remember the team that did represent the conference in the college football playoff last year was number 17, TCU. But like Kansas State, the Horned Frogs are losing some top talent. Eight draft picks they had in the NFL draft a couple months ago. So another run, you know, looking unlikely. Of course, we had no idea what was in store for head coach Sonny Dykes' first season. So I guess anything could happen. It's probably not going to happen, though. Their starting quarterback, their top two running backs, and their top three receivers, they're all gone. So at quarterback, it's going to be Chandler Morris, the son of Chad Morris, the football coach, if you know that name. He was in contention with Max Duggan last year for the starting job, but it'll be his this year, absolutely. 
So never say never, I guess. But I wouldn't expect to follow up here in Fort Worth. But they do have that October 21st matchup against Kansas State. That is one to circle right now because it may end up being an easy one for the Wildcats of Kansas State, depending on how things go. Well, I mean, it's mid-October. We've got a month and a half, over a month and a half. We'll get there. But now to a team that is hoping to follow up on last year's TCU success, a team that would like to become the next TCU, is number 20, Oklahoma. Is their ranking deserved? Number 20, absolutely not, y'all. They finished 6-7 and seven last year. That is their worst finish since 1998. Oof. Even though some idiot picked them to win the conference and make the playoff. Who could that have been? I don't know. But we should see some improvement from the suitors in Brent Venable's second year as their head coach. Former UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel is returning for another year, while the defense can only go up because they did allow more first downs than any other Power 5 team in the country last year. And I think we'll get a sense of where the program's at. October 7th, their annual matchup against Texas. I think they'll want a better result than last year. Last year, they got spanked. Literally. 49-0. I think, I don't think it'll be that bad this year. I'll just, I'll just say that. If, if Texas is favored by 49 points, bet on Oklahoma. But outside of the preseason rankings in the Big 12, we go to Texas Tech. Joey McGuire is entering his second season as coach. They had an 8-5 and five debut that was capped off by a win over Ole Miss in the Texas Bowl. Texas Bowl. But there is some talk that the Red Raiders could be somewhat like this season's TCU. We'll see if those predictions pan out. I don't know. Nobody could have seen that, though. Like, you know, we make these predictions, and I give you all these facts, and they're good facts to know, obviously. You should be listening to this podcast. But there's always something that happens that nobody could have thought of. Nobody could have saw that coming. It was TCU last year. Maybe it's Texas Tech this year. Maybe it's, you know, whoever. Which is why we love doing our picks, which we're going to do it a little bit here on this podcast. But we've also got, in the Big 12, the Baylor Bears, who are kind of in a make-it-or-break-it year for their fourth-year head coach, Dave Aranda, because they won the conference two years ago. You may remember that. But they finished 6-7 and seven last year. That was a massive disappointment. And Aranda's seat could be getting a bit warm if there aren't improvements this year, led by their quarterback, Blake Shapin. Elsewhere in the still mostly Midwestern Conference, I guess, quarterback Alan Bowman's consistency is going to be what probably makes or breaks Oklahoma State this year. And you've also got Kansas. Y'all remember Kansas started the season 5-0. and College game day went to Lawrence, Kansas. But the injury to quarterback Jason Daniels totally derailed their season. He's back, though. Could the Jayhawks, with an improved defense, win more than six games? I mean, you gotta root for Kansas in football because, like, they've been so bad for so long. You've also got the conference newbies, though. BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Breaking down those four. Start with BYU. They had eight wins last year, along with former USC quarterback Keaton Slovis coming in. But they do play Alabama, which is, you know... A tough game. Cincinnati, though, you may remember they went to the college football playoff two years ago, but their coach, Luke Fickle, has moved on to Wisconsin. So former Louisville coach Scott Satterfield is the conference's sole new head coach this season. And I'll say that UCF probably finishes the best out of the new four with their dual threat quarterback, John Rice Plumley. 
And you've also got Houston. Dana Holgerson is their coach. I would say they'll probably struggle to make it to a bowl game this year. So that's the Big 12. To the picks for the Big 12 conference. The consensus seems to be Texas. And you know what? They got tough games. They've got to go to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama. But I do think that they're going to finish their final year in the Big 12 on top. It may seem crazy, but this would just be the fourth Big 12 title for the Longhorns since the conference's inception in 1996. Oklahoma, their, you know, big rival, has had 14 conference championships of that span. It's a fact. But I think that Texas is going to take down second place Kansas State, who won't be able to win their second straight conference title. Oh, y'all, we love the bigs. The Big 12. Now it's time for the Big 10. Pretty soon, y'all. The Big 10 is going to be shining sea to shining sea next year. Not this year, though. The Big 10 remains at 14 teams, but there will be four Pacific Coast institutions that are ready to make the jump to play in the B1G next year. But for now, let's take a look at the current state of the Big 10, starting off with number two in the poll. That would be Michigan. Now, the Wolverines are going to be without their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, for the first three games of the season after he was accused of some recruiting infractions, which I'm not going to get into on this podcast, but look him up and you'll kind of be like, really? (laughs) He got three games for that? It's kind of silly. But considering those games are against East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green, I think Michigan will be okay. Plus, The team that represented the Big Ten in the past two college football playoffs has their starting quarterback back, J.J. McCarthy, along with top running backs Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. Those are two of the best backs in the country. Corum had over 1,400 rushing yards last year. Edwards was just nine yards short of 1,000. That's a lot of numbers. And listen, their 45-23 thumping Of Ohio State last year was the first time that Michigan won in Columbus since 2000. And it also showed that the school to the north has kind of become the big dogs of the Big Ten, at least this year. Michigan's had some really good teams since their last national championship in 1997. They've had some really good matchups with Ohio State in that time. But they've got Ohio State at home this year. Even if they fall on the road to Penn State on November 11th, totally possible, that might mean that they would have to beat Ohio State to maybe get to the Big Ten Championship. But the Wolverines, that could give them the boost needed to get back to the mountaintop. Not just the Big Ten, but, you know, the whole, the big one, the national mountaintop. But speaking of Michigan, you always got to talk about Ohio State. We don't have to go very far down the rankings to find Ohio State because they're just one spot down. At number three, now Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, he has not lost more than two games in each of his four seasons at the helm of the Buckeyes. He's done a great job, but he has lost to Michigan twice in a row. First time that's happened for Ohio State since 1999 and 2000. And if he becomes the first Ohio State coach to lose three straight since a man named John Cooper, if you can remember that far back in the last century. His seat, even if he only loses one or two games, if they lose to Michigan again, Ohio State fans, they have very high expectations for themselves. They could be like, well, who, this Ryan Day guy can't beat Michigan. We might need to get another guy. 
But also, remember, St. Ohio State fans, that the Buckeyes were a field goal away from beating Georgia and making it to the national championship game last year. The one thing is, they don't have a starting quarterback at the moment. C.J. Stroud is off to the Houston Texans, and either Kyle McCord or Devin Brown is going to be the starting quarterback. Of course, whoever it is is going to be surrounded by exceptional talent. In the backfield, you've got Milan Williams and Travion Henderson, along with receivers like Marvin Harrison Jr. So if either McCord or Brown turns out to be the real deal, then it'll be another year of playoff expectations for the Buckeyes. Remember, their September 23rd primetime game at Notre Dame on NBC is going to be the test to see if they are the real deal this year. Even if that's not a conference game, it's Notre Dame in South Bend. So then you round out the top of the loaded Big Ten East. Y'all, it's the last year of Big Ten divisions. This is the last year of divisions in the power conferences, y'all. It's sad. But number seven is Penn State. Penn State had a disappointing 2021, but they shot back up last year to 11 wins. But they still haven't made the college football playoff. Now, quarterback Sean Clifford is off to greener pastures, leaving former five-star recruit Drew Aller as their new starter. But the Nittany Lions are still one of the most talented teams in the country. Running back Nicholas Singleton and Kent State transfer wide receiver Dante Cephas. They are the highlights on offense, but, you know... They're also in a division where you have to play Michigan and Ohio State every year. Now, that's going to change next year, but for now, that's the status quo. So it's always tough unless you're at the very top. But, you know, just a couple bounces and a couple games can make a massive difference in a season. They've got a November 11th home game against Michigan. That's probably one where if Penn State can... If they have the talent, the cohesion, the chemistry, they can stake their claim as Big Ten title contenders if they can beat Michigan in that game. But now you move over to the West, well, the West Division, which pretty soon, by the way, is going to be about the midpoint of the conference. But moving over to the West Division, you'll find football that's not, frankly, as appealing, to be honest. But there's also number 19, Wisconsin. The Badgers are one of four schools with a new head coach in the conference bringing in Luke Fickle from Cincinnati, where, as I said, he took the Bearcats to the college football playoff, the only group of five school at the time to have done that. That's likely going to change because next year, I think we're going to, it's not, you know, they're still talking about it because the Pac-12 is, might be gone, most likely not going to be a power conference anymore starting next year. There is going to be, as of now, Six automatic bids for the six highest-ranked conference champions, which, and even if that's down to five, that would mean you would think a non-power conference team makes it to the college football playoff. So Cincinnati can bask in that glory for another year or two. But Fickle does bring with him to Wisconsin an experienced quarterback and SMU transfer Tanner Mordecai, who is going to have receivers Skylar Bell and Shamir Dyke helping him out. So for the Badgers, the questions aren't as big on offense as they are on defense, which could possibly prove costly in their Ohio State matchup on October 28th. Although they are hosting that game, that is a plus because they get to jump around. And then just squeaking into the poll at number 25 is Iowa. Average points per game last year, 
17.7. We're not talking about soccer, y'all. That'd be amazing. Football, American football, that's a little rough. It actually wasn't the worst in the Big Ten, though. Northwestern and Rutgers were worse last year. But um, they're not a fun team to watch. The saving grace is the defense, which allowed the second fewest points in FBS last year. Only Illinois was better at defense last year. These are facts. But holy cow. If Iowa wants a shot at winning the division, the offense needs to be better. But they have a chance because Michigan transfer quarterback Cade McNamara, who led the Wolverines to their first college football playoff appearance two years ago, he gives them that chance. And their October 14th road test against Wisconsin, if you're a Big Ten West fan, Circle that date. That could be the division decider right there. So then you move down the conference, and you've got Maryland, who is not going to be an easy game for anybody. Their quarterback, Talia Tagovailoa. Yes, I say this every year. He is the brother of Tua. He's back. The Terrapins have reinforced their offensive and defensive lines in the transfer portal. They've got home games against Penn State and Michigan. That Michigan game is the week before Michigan plays Ohio State. Trap game, maybe. Those could be sneaky for those visiting teams. And you've also got Illinois. They're kind of in a similar position, too, because you remember, they only lost to Michigan by just two points last year. But now the Illini have to replace quarterback Tommy DeVito and several other offensive starters. But in the last two years, their head coach, Brett Bielema, has done a pretty good job rebuilding the program. So we'll see what happens with Illinois this year. And then you remember Michigan State. Two years ago, Michigan State was at the top of the Big Ten. They won 11 games. They were competing at the top of the conference. Y'all, if you're a Spartans fan, those were the days. Because now, their head coach, Mel Tucker, he signed a massive 10-year, $95 million extension after that year. And then last year, they proceeded to go 5-7. and seven. They, you know, listen. If that happens again, Mel Tucker, he may be shown the door, but if he is... It'll be with the sack of cash, let me tell you. But if they cannot progress under their new quarterback, Noah Kim, changes could be coming to East Lansing. I mean, listen, they're in the Big Ten. They got that money. But to still, to pay out Mel Tucker, that would be a lot of money. Now, Nebraska has a new coach this year. Matt Rule, who y'all remember was at Baylor. Then he was with the Panthers in the NFL. He got fired, so he's back at the college game. Now, he's going to have the tough task of not letting Nebraska lose more games than they win for the seventh straight year. Poor Cornhuskers. That's all they have there. And Minnesota's nine-win season last year doesn't look likely without their starting quarterback and running back. So, I mean, listen, we t- <laughs> you were probably asking at the beginning of the podcast, why did he mention Northwestern? Because I have to point out that Northwestern has not won a game in the United States since October 16th, 2021. They beat Nebraska last year, but that was in Ireland. That was not in the United States. So, and listen, Northwestern, they have plenty of off-the-field issues to deal with as well because they fired coach Pat Fitzgerald back in July amid allegations of hazing in the program. So, you know, we probably shouldn't be talking about Northwestern on this podcast. They're not going to be one to watch out for. But for my pick to win the Big Ten, I think it looks likely that it's going to come down to the final weekend between Michigan and Ohio State, as it often does in that conference. And right now, I think Michigan just has the advantage, not just on the field, but as a program overall. Make no mistake about it. I mean, Ohio State, 
if their only loss is in Ann Arbor, they're probably still making the college football playoff, and it's likely that their only loss could be in Michigan. It's uh, they have a good chance to win that game too. Like Ohio State's no slouch; they're still one of the best teams in the country. But Michigan, just they kind of have that it factor. I think they just have a little bit more than Ohio State right now. So I like the Wolverines to take the conference for the third year in a row, beating West Division champs Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. If you say so. Now, y'all, we gotta break out the tissues because we might only be doing previews of four major conferences next year because it looks like it's hasta luego to the Pac-12 at this point. You know, the Pac-12's origins date all the way back to the formation of the Pacific Coast Conference back in 1915, 108 years ago. But you know what? In less than one year's time, it looks like it's all going to be coming to a very saddening conclusion. I'm sad, y'all. I don't even, like, I don't even live on the West Coast. I live on the East Coast, almost as far the East Coast as you can get. And I've only been to one state with a Pac-12 team, and I was only there for like a week. And I don't root for any of these Pac-12 teams, but as a college football fan, I think you have to be sad. Because you've always, we've always known that the West Coast has their conference. It's the Pac-12. And now it's gone. I'm upset. But I'll, I'll try to get through it, y'all. Eight teams, as you know, planning their departures for next summer. And the others desperately looking to figure out what the future holds. We may as well enjoy this last season while we can. But... You've probably gotten lost on where everybody's going. I think I've already mentioned it, though, on this podcast. I'll do it again. Here's a refresher, though. Here comes a fact! USC and UCLA, they're heading over to their, you know, their neighbors in the Big Ten because all those schools are very close to Los Angeles, while Oregon and Washington are also joining them next year. They're going to be getting less of a payout of that Big Ten media rights money, though. Still pretty good, but not as much as full members as USC and UCLA are going to be along with the 14 other Big Ten schools. And then Oregon and Washington's departures prompted Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to bolt for the Big 12, which Colorado had done a few days earlier. Colorado, if you don't remember, had been in the Big 12 until 2010, 2011, around then, when they went to the Pac-10 at the time. That became the Pac-12. Now they're going back to the Big 12. And then, of course, there's Stanford and Cal, who are eyeing the ACC. And actually, if the ACC thing doesn't work out somehow, some way, the Big 12 might be an option. That's the reports lately, so who knows. And then you've also got Oregon State and Washington State. Where are they going to end up? Well, right now, it looks like their best options are joining with the American Conference or the Mountain West, which, uh, yeah, so. There's all that. Let's go back to the football, though. Let's start with number six, USC. Now, you may remember their quarterback from last year, Caleb Williams, won the Heisman Trophy. He followed head coach Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma to USC, and he's back this year to defend his crown while also pulling the Trojans across the finish line with him. But make no mistake, Riley has surrounded Williams with some top talent. Running back Marshawn Lloyd is a big portal addition from South Carolina, while wide receiver Dorian Singer from Arizona and freshman Zachariah Branch and Deuce Robinson could put up some big rookie seasons. But the offense isn't the problem. 
because we've already gotten to see USC play in week zero. They played San Jose State. Now, the Trojans won, of course. They put up 56 points, but they also gave up 28 points. The defense is still a concern and could ultimately cost USC some games. That'll definitely be put to the test when they visit Notre Dame on October 14th and Oregon on November 11th. But the Trojans could be the Pac-12's best chance at getting to the playoff for the first time since 2016 and possibly the last. Sigh. But to get there, the Trojans are going to have to get past number 10, Washington. Now, quarterback Michael Penix Jr. is just the second in a class of incredibly talented Pac-12 quarterbacks, and he's in a similar position to the similarly skilled Caleb Williams. Can the defense get his act together? I've got a little more hope, I think, for the Huskies' defense. They've consistently put out NFL talent in the past few years, and last year the Huskies went 11-2 in Kalen DeBoer's first year as their head coach, including capping the season with the victory over Texas in the Alamo Bowl. I mean, Alamo Bowl, that's Texas's home turf. The road test against USC on November 4th could be the conference's game of the year, though. And it could be a high-octane offensive explosion show. What do you say? That would be pretty incredible to witness. November 4th, write that down if you're a Pac-12 fan. But the third of five Pac-12 teams that are ranked is number 14, Utah, whose quarterback Cam Rising was a major reason why the Utes won the conference last year and went to the Rose Bowl for the second straight season. Ultimately, they did lose both of those Rose Bowl games, but head coach Kyle Whittingham is looking to go beyond just winning the conference for a third straight year. It's why the conference, I think, has at least three legitimate college football playoff contenders, because Rising did suffer a torn ACL in that Rose Bowl loss to Penn State. Utah would certainly like to have him for their season opener this Thursday, day after this podcast comes out, at home against Florida. But even if Rising isn't 100% to start the season, his presence could be the decider in conference matchups against Oregon State, USC, and Washington, all of which are on the road. That's kind of a tough conference schedule. We'll talk about the Beavers of Oregon State in a bit, because you're like, Oregon State? Eh, watch out! We'll talk about them in just a second, though, but what about the Ducks of number 15, Oregon? Oregon always seems like they're just one or two pieces away from finally breaking through out West. And this season may be no different. Now, quarterback Bo Nix is returning. He's, I looked this up, by the way, he's the same age as Jaguars quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who's entering his third season in the NFL, by the way. But he did a great job in his first season with the Ducks last year. They had a direct path to the playoff if they hadn't had one score losses to Washington and Oregon State last year. But he's surrounded by talented running back Bucky Irving. And I don't know if this means much, but they did just add an Olympic sprinter, Michael Williams, to their roster, which could be pretty intriguing. I mean, you never know. But it might be up to whether a reworked defense can keep Oregon in games. That's, I mean, kind of a trend for these Pac-12 teams. But they'll get a good test in Week 2 when they're on the road against Texas Tech. That'll be a good game. Then we can talk about number 18, Oregon State. The Beavers, their, you know, their realignment hopes, it's not looking too good. But they are going to be one of the conference's top teams this year, led by former Clemson quarterback DJ Uyagalale. 
who's obviously looking to prove Dabo wrong. But Uyagalele hasn't proved, I think, what the four quarterbacks above him have, especially the Pac-12. But you've got to think that the potential is still there. He was still a top recruit coming out of high school, went to Clemson. He's got one of the conference's best offensive lines in front of him. And behind him, he's got Pac-12 Offensive Freshman of the Year last season, running back Damian Martinez. I mean, the conference has multiple CFP contenders, as I said, but it may be hard for those teams and others to just get over Oregon State, who have the talent to beat just about anybody. They're a dark horse this year, and one that I think a lot of people are going to try and root for to make some noise, obviously, because of all the off the field, realignment stuff. That's kind of not putting Oregon State in the best position. But a team that is well-situated for the future would be UCLA. Now, head coach Chip Kelly has made some progress in his last few years at UCLA. That may take a bit of a pause this year, especially in a conference that is this top-heavy because quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, he's out of Westwood or Pasadena, I don't know, whatever they stake their claim. The campus is in Westwood. The stadium is in Pasadena. They're not really close in the LA Metro. I don't know. Whatever. What are you talking about? Ethan Garbers does take the reins at quarterback, and he'll have time to get comfortable. They've got an early season schedule that features the likes of Coastal Carolina and North Carolina Central. I don't know why UCLA just wants to beat up on the Carolinas, you know, lower teams. We'll just say that. But in Pac-12 play, it'll be tough for the Bruins. Even without the likes of Washington and Oregon, They've got September 23rd's visit to Utah. That's probably going to show us what UCLA has in store for their Pac-12 swan song. It's everybody's Pac-12 swan song this year. But both sides of the ball have new coordinators at Washington State. Yet another team that I don't think the top teams can overlook. And especially for Oregon's mid-October trip to Pullman. Washington State's schedule also sets up nicely for a year-two bounce for their head coach, Jake Dickert. Now, Arizona, they, if you all remember, Arizona were at the bottom of not just Pac-12, Power 5. They won one game in 2021, but they won five games last year. And they could possibly increase their win total again with their quarterback, Jane Delora. And then, also in the state of Arizona... Arizona State, they self-imposed a bull ban after recruiting violations took place while Herm Edwards was still coach. Herm, he got fired if you didn't know. He's back on ESPN now. Likely won't matter this year anyway, if you get my drift about the Sun Devils. Oh yes, and we can't talk about the Pac-12 without also mentioning the new sheriff in town in Boulder, Colorado. Colorado hired Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, to be the program's new head football coach, and there's lots of buzz. Of course, when Colorado visits TCU to start the season this Saturday, big noon Saturday on Fox, I think people are going to remember that Colorado only won one game last year. It'll take time because we talked about, was it Louisville, who we said are bringing in 25 transfers this year with their new coach, and that's a lot. Colorado are bringing in 60 new players this year. It's going to take time for them to gel during a football game. So Colorado, their hype is there, the show, Coach Prime, but the results, that's probably going to take time if they come. So 
For my Pac-12 pick, I think that this conference was actually the hardest for me to pick this year because USC, they have the reigning Heisman Trophy winner and a great offense, but Washington, I think, has an equally solid quarterback in Michael Penix Jr. and another outstanding offensive unit, but Utah has won the conference the last two years, and they returned their star QB too. Both Oregon schools too, I think, can make legitimate claims. And the divisions are a thing of the past, so it's the best two teams in the Pac-12, too. So ultimately, I think I'm going to put Washington in the Pac-12 championship game, and I think they'll face Utah, not USC, and I've got Washington taking home the conference crown. But again, if it's any of those five teams, I wouldn't be surprised. Even Oregon State, but also Oregon, Utah, and USC, the Pac-12 is top-loaded, as loaded, I think, as it has been in a long time. And, of course, it's the last season. Oh, Pac-12 conference. So sad. But let's move on. Our final conference, another year, another defending national champion from the SEC, the Southeastern Conference. They've got six teams in the AP preseason top 25 poll, including three in the top five. Y'all, it's the SEC. It just means more. That's what they say. It's also the end of era of sorts for the SEC this year, though, because Oklahoma and Texas are coming in next year. And, I mean, at least they're still kind of in the Southeast. I mean, USC and UCLA, when they first said they were going to go to the Big Ten, it was like, well, at least it's not called the Midwest Conference or anything. But they've had 14 teams in the Big Ten. I guess they're not going to change it. But the ACC, I'm not sure how you could say the ACC with Stanford and Cal, but I don't know. Either way, let's talk about this year. Because y'all remember, the SEC has the defending college football playoff national champion. Now, the last time that a school at the top division of college football won three straight national championships, it wasn't Alabama. World War II hadn't even started yet in Europe. The Golden Gophers of Minnesota, back when the champion was decided by the polls, certainly not contenders in today's era, they won three straight national championships from 1934 to 1936, or at least ones that they claim. In fact, 1936 was actually the first year of the AP poll deciding the national champion. Spitting the truth. So... When we talk about the number one team in the preseason AP poll, y'all know I'm talking about Georgia, having the chance to do something historic this season, it would really be historic. The Bulldogs, of course, have won the last two national championships, and the Riders believe in the AP poll that they're best positioned to do it again. Of course, we've got 15 games this fall that they're going to play in that are going to decide that. But Kirby Smart has really built a juggernaut, the likes of which are rarely seen in this sport. So much so that even after losing 10 draft picks, including three first rounders and their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, the dogs are still top title contenders. Now, Carson Beck, he's the name you want to know because he's going to be their quarterback this year. He is going to have familiar target Brock Bowers, who's pretty easy to find. But if Beck can find his groove, it's going to be another year of winning for Georgia. The schedule also sets up pretty nicely for a smooth transition because the ultimate test on the road isn't until November 18th. 
when they face Tennessee. You remember Tennessee? Well, well, we'll talk about Tennessee in a little bit because last year showed Tennessee is no slouch. But there's another coach who's won back-to-back national championships in the SEC. That would be Kirby Smart's former boss and number four Alabama's Nick Saban. Alabama. Like Georgia, though, the Crimson Tide are entering 2023 with a new quarterback. Bryce Young was the top pick in the draft this past year to the Carolina Panthers, but we're still not exactly sure who's going to replace them. And their first game's in a couple days. The names right now are Tyler Beaker, Jalen Milrow, and Ty Simpson. But whoever Saban chooses will be led by a new offensive coordinator in Tommy Reese, who came from Notre Dame. And of course, they're going to be surrounded by some talent. That includes defensive back Kool-Aid McKinstry. Quite a notable name, I would say. And so all Nick Saban needs to do is he needs some rat poison, as he likes to say. But the rat poison that you put out there this week was yummy. And the Tide could easily be back to the national championship. Like, they've been to the last six of eight national championships, y'all. It's the truth. They're still a powerhouse, even if they didn't make it last year to the playoff. Of course, the results of back-to-back home games against Tennessee and LSU, although they are separated by a bye week on the last week of October, that could determine whether the Tide make it back. And they've also got a hungry Texas team coming to town next week, so the schedule is tough. But it is also Alabama. And they play LSU. Let's talk about the Tigers of number 5 LSU, the third SEC squad to place in the top five of the preseason poll. You know, the Big Ten had two and three, but SEC has three of the first five. They have undoubtedly the toughest non-conference game to start the year. I mean, Alabama has Texas, but if you are going by the preseason rankings, and I know we're going to look at that at the end of the season and be like, seriously, the preseason rankings? But still, I'd say LSU's game against Florida State is probably the toughest non-conference game for an SEC school this year. But remember, they started the year last year against Florida State at a neutral site like they're going to do this year. And they missed an extra point at the final play. No time left. They scored a touchdown. Extra point. They missed it. So Florida State won the game. The extra point would have tied the game. And that was Brian Kelly's first game in charge of LSU. But you know what? They turned it around a little bit. They beat then top 10 Ole Miss by 25. They beat Alabama. And they made it to the SEC championship game. Now, quarterback Jaden Daniels is back from a 2,900-yard campaign last season. And linebacker Harold Perkins Jr. leads a top defense as well. Of course, I'm not the biggest Brian Kelly fan. He doesn't need to go down to Baton Rouge and come up with this fake accent. I know that happens like a while ago, but still. I'm here with my family. It's strange. And he doesn't do it anymore. But either way, if they could go to Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama on November 4th, they beat him in Baton Rouge. But to beat him in Alabama, that would be something special. But back over to the East, where Josh Heupel's number 12 Tennessee Volunteers took a massive leap last year. For a time, remember, the Vols were the top-ranked team in the country They rattled off three straight top 25 wins against Florida, LSU, and then the big one on the third Saturday of October, 
Alabama. First time Tennessee took down the Tide since 2006. The goalpost, I think, is still at the bottom of the Tennessee River. They ain't getting that thing back. But they just couldn't get over Georgia, or South Carolina for that matter, who they lost to later on. And yes, their quarterback, Hendon Hooker, he's off to the league. Former Michigan quarterback Joe Milton, though, led the Vols to last season's victory over Clemson in the Orange Bowl. So he's not totally coming into this brand new. And head coach Josh Heupel has the volunteer faithful looking upward. Unfortunately, Alabama's not coming to Knoxville this year. Tennessee has to go to Tuscaloosa. But their date with Georgia on November 18th is at home. That could be the potential decider of the SEC East. And it's last season. It's the last season of SEC divisions too, y'all. Oh, man. But I do like that they are playing UVA, Virginia, on national television, on ABC, to start the season this Saturday. I do like that they're going to be able to beat them up on national television. But the next SEC team at the poll doesn't slot in until number 22. That would be Ole Miss. What is Lane Kiffin cooking up this year? In Oxford, not England. We're talking about Mississippi. Jackson Dart is expected to remain the starting quarterback, receiving competition in the offseason from Oklahoma State transfer Spencer Sanders. But the Rebels, y'all remember, were a top 10 team in the country last year. They started 7-0, including a win over then number 7 Kentucky. But they also, they then dropped four of their last five of the regular season. And it's Kiffin's fourth year as the head man for Mississippi State School. But advancing past rivals Alabama, LSU, and others in the West may have to wait for another year. They've also got a tough contest against the preseason-ranked Tulane team next Saturday in New Orleans. Don't overlook Tulane, y'all. And then we find number 23, Texas A&M. Y'all, there has been no shortage of hype to start the season's that Jimbo Fisher has been in charge in College Station. And basically, almost all of them have ended up in some sort of disappointment. Last year, they started number six. They finished five and seven. 2021, they started number six. They finished eight and four. That's, you know, okay. But they've consistently been at the top of the preseason poll and then haven't even been ranked to end the season. So you get where I'm coming from. Even if their victory over Alabama that year in 2021, was the first by a former Saban disciple against the legend himself, because that was before Kirby Smart beat Nick Saban in Alabama. So this year, the Aggies start at 23, but the biggest change for them probably doesn't even come on the field, but on the sidelines. Former Louisville head coach Bobby Petrino is the Aggies' new offensive coordinator, and there's some excitement about the pairing with quarterback Connor Wiegman. So, Number 23, they're not top of the AP poll. Could the lower expectations help Texas A&M? They host Alabama on October 7th. We're going to find out then. And continuing on our tour of the southeastern region of this great nation, y'all, we find ourselves in the Commonwealth of Kentucky. Head coach Mark Stoops has built a consistent winner in Lexington, the likes of which I don't think there's been at UK since before Bear Bryant flew south to Tuscaloosa. Because if y'all remember, Bear Bryant was at Kentucky before he was at Alabama. Little college football trivia there for you. But quarterback Will Levis is no longer a Wildcat. So transfer quarterback Devin Lira from NC State was a big snag for Stoops in the offseason transfer portal. 
The headline is a steady defense. So if Larry can get the offense going, they'll have momentum with the home game against Florida at the end of September, leading into matchups against Georgia and Tennessee. Those are obviously the two big ones in the Eastern Division. And then you've got the Swamp Kings of Florida. Y'all, I haven't even watched the Swamp Kings documentary with Urban Meyer and all that stuff, but I heard it was terrible, so I don't even... Whatever. But the Swamp Kings era is a thing of the past at Florida. And while recruiting further head coach Billy Napier appears to be on the right track, it may take another year or two before he has the Gators ready to compete with the big boys of the conference. A new look conference it'll be by then, so it'll be even tougher. But Auburn could be a little intriguing this season. They have their new coach, Hugh Freeze, coming over from the wonderful academic institution that is Liberty. Ew. No, they won't probably beat Alabama. But signs of hope after the disaster that was their former coach should leave Auburn fans happy for at least now. And South Carolina could be another name to watch, too. Who doesn't love themselves some Shane Beamer? I mean, we've got to. He's a hokey in his heart. He went 7-6 and six in year one, 8-5 and five last year with wins over Tennessee and Clemson. Those are two big wins for South Carolina, y'all. Quarterback Spencer Rattler has a chance to shine week one, too, against North Carolina in Charlotte on Saturday Night Football, and I think he'll take advantage of that spotlight. Mm, I don't know. We'll see. But quarterback K.J. Jefferson should be exciting to watch again at Arkansas, while Missouri was actually the closest team other than Ohio State to beating Georgia last year, and Mississippi State, of course, their coach, Mike Leach, passed away in the offseason, and so they're transitioning into the post-Mike Leach era. And of course, how could we talk about SEC football without mentioning the mighty Commodores of Vanderbilt, y'all? They beat Hawaii in Week 0, but they also beat Florida and Kentucky last year, so their head coach, Clark Lee, he's showing signs of improvement even if the scoreboard right now is hoisted up by cranes because there's some construction going on at Vanderbilt Stadium. And it's kind of wild to watch the scoreboard kind of sway in the wind while you're watching a game. So, to crown our champion of the SEC, let's pick our division winners one last time, y'all. This is the last time we're going to be doing this on this podcast, ever. Out of the East, it's Georgia. And while I'd like for it to be Tennessee, I think it's Georgia until somebody proves that it isn't, you know? And out of the West, Nick Saban isn't missing the playoff for a second straight year, so I've got Alabama. And who does it just mean more to? It just means more, y'all. Oh my gosh. This year, that would be Alabama. So I've got Alabama winning the SEC. I know. Shocker. I think I have them winning every year. But this year, you know, the year after they don't win it, they usually do. So I think they'll win it. Cool facts, bro. So there's the previews we've got for our Power 5 conferences, y'all. Before we get to the finale of this podcast, what you've all been waiting for, my predictions for the college football playoff, let's just take a look quickly at the best of the independents and the group of five conferences. Because if we're previewing the college football season on the podcast, we got to talk about Notre Dame. They're number 13. They had a great time in Ireland last week for Week 0. They had their way with Navy. They won 42-3. Marcus Freeman's in his second year as head coach, and there's three big games to watch out for. Number 3, Ohio State at home on September 23rd. 
number 6 USC at home on October 14th, and then number 9 Clemson in Death Valley on November 4th. That's going to be quite the test for Wake Forest transfer quarterback Sam Hartman. For the Fighting Irish, there's also only one other non-Power 5 team making it to the preseason poll. I mean, Notre Dame is kind of like, you know, they're kind of in the ACC. Technically, they're not in football, but they play five ACC teams here, but they're, you know, they're up there with the Power 5. So really, the only group of five team that made it to the preseason poll is number 24, Tulane. Y'all remember I talked about the Green Wave. They won the American last year. They took down UCF in their swan song season in the American, and they beat USC in the Cotton Bowl by a single point. And their home game against Ole Miss next Saturday, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN2, I think is worthy of a better channel placement than ESPN2. That should be a good game in New Orleans. And Tulane, I think, likely has their way in the American this year with the likes of Cincinnati and UCF gone to the Big 12. Also, you know, conference realignments hit the American Athletic Conference, too. If you haven't heard the latest happenings, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, they obviously all went off to the Big 12, and the American replaced them with Charlotte, Florida Atlantic, North Texas, UAB, Rice, and UTSA. The Roadrunners, I think, of UTSA should be a solid game, though, because they've won at least 11 games in each of their last two seasons. But that's that's my little American spiel there for you. The most patriotic conference, by the way, besides the Patriot League, which I think is not for football, but either way. America! And now, y'all, the moment we've all been waiting for. We got through an hour plus of conference college football previews to get to what we've all really been wanting this whole time. Xander's college football playoff predictions. Now, I have to be transparent with you. I have to remind you of last year's glorious predictions. I had Alabama, you know, that was, I mean, come on, Alabama, of course. Georgia, that's good. Ohio State and Oklahoma. Oklahoma, oh gosh, I don't know why. But I had two, which is 50%, so I mean, that's okay. But now let's get to this season. The last of the four-team playoff era. I mean, listen, before I make my picks, if y'all remember 2014-2015 season, we were so excited to get rid of the BCS, the computers, that national championship game, and replace it with this four-team playoff. We had, I mean, there were a couple of great games that first year. Record ratings. It was like the highest ratings in the history of cable television those games were when they were on ESPN. And a reinvigoration of the college football postseason. But I think it's pretty clear that four teams is better than the past. I mean, before the BCS, we didn't even have a national championship game, y'all. But 12 teams make sense for the future. And while I'm definitely excited about that, because it does give teams like mine, to be frank, a better chance at playing for a championship, this year's event really seems like the end of an era in college football, like I mentioned earlier. Because I do think a 12-team playoff is the right way forward, and giving conference champions automatic bids is good. What I don't think is good is the cross-country conference affiliations. I mean, it's... Listen, y'all, I've mentioned this before on this podcast, but it is a blatant money grab that actively hinders 
the student athlete, who still, I will note, doesn't receive any of the benefits from the revenue that these schools are getting for media partners. You can say, oh, they're getting a scholarship and world-class treatment. And all that's true, but like they're the ones on the field, on the court, whenever sport, in college sports, they're the ones out there who, without them, ESPN and CBS and Fox and NBC wouldn't be paying the big bucks to these conferences and schools. And the NCAA keeps saying that we need to protect amateurism, and so these student-athletes can't get paid. Well, they said the same thing about NIL, and now NIL, which has turned out to be a great thing, I think, for a lot of players. The NCAA relented on that, and ultimately, I think at some point, they're going to have to relent on actually giving players a cut, because they, as I just mentioned, that's the only argument that they should, that there should be. They're the ones out there, actually on the TV. Why are they not getting some of that money? Like, that does not make any sense to me. But, you know, combine that with the fact that now we're getting USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, Stanford and Cal possibly in the ACC, and not just for football and basketball, where, you know, that would probably be fine with travel and stuff, but with volleyball and lacrosse and soccer and swimming and golf and softball and baseball and all these other sports, the non-revenue sports, which are still important and we still all watch and we still love them, but they're really getting tossed aside for football. The student-athletes are getting tossed aside because, oh, we're going to make the volleyball team on a random Tuesday fly from Los Angeles to Piscataway, New Jersey, and then they're going to have to fly back, and oh, don't miss any of your classwork, too. Like, at this point, it's kind of getting ridiculous. And it shows that the way forward right now is a danger, not just to college football, but to college sports. Because the reason why we actually like to watch college football every Saturday, listen, if we wanted to watch the best of the best, we'd watch the NFL. College football is where the players go before they get to the NFL. Why we watch college football is because the passion and the pageantry. It's college, after all. We're rooting for our school, whatever relationship we may have to it. Watching the regional rivalries that have blossomed over the last century. It's cool to watch Alabama play Tennessee when it wouldn't make any other sense for those schools to have a massive rivalry other than the fact that they've been playing on the third Saturday in October for forever and they've built that relationship and both teams now circle that date on the calendar every year because it's a big one like that should be the focus but instead it's all green like no one is going to want to watch an NFL junior league and you could say that that's what college football has always been you're probably right, but it wasn't as blatant as this. Like, I'm watching college football for the schools, and as I said, the bands and the fans and the passion and the rivalries, I'm not going to watch an NFL developmental league if that's what it comes to. No, I don't think so. So, listen, that's my little diatribe. I just had to get that in there because... I do think that 
I mean, I love college football. Saturday's going to be awesome because I'm going to be watching it all day. But the direction that the sport and college sports as a whole are heading towards right now is it's dangerous, not just for us as fans, but I think for college administrators who are ultimately going to be like, why is nobody watching our product anymore? Why doesn't anybody want to watch USC and Rutgers in the NFL Developmental League? So that's why I keep saying cherish it while you can, because for now, I mean, we don't have the way it's going. We don't have much left of what actually feels like college football. Are you done? That's my little diatribe. I'm done. Now let's get to my four teams. In the last edition of the college football playoff, four-team edition. Of course, my SEC champion is in. Alabama, number one. Number two, my Big Ten champion, Michigan. And I think that the defending national champion, Georgia Bulldogs, will have tripped up at least once before a loss to Alabama in the SEC title game to have two losses. So I don't think Georgia's going to get in. Mark that down. I've also got Ohio State, because I do think their only loss is going to be against Michigan. That'll give the Big Ten two teams in the playoff. Once again, same two teams run it last year. And then for my final team, it was kind of a toss-up between my Big 12 champion, Texas, and my Pac-12 champion, Washington. But I ended up going with, drumroll please, Nope. the Huskies of Washington, because I do think Steve Sarkeesian has the Longhorns on the right track, but I do think another year needs to pass by before they take that next sleep into the playoff. And that'll, of course, you know, have to happen in the SEC. But I do like Michael Penix Jr., and I think he'll be a top Heisman candidate for the Huskies, leading them to the playoff. Remember, last team to make the playoff in the Pac-12 in 2016 was Washington. Oregon is the only other Pac-12 school to get to the Final Four. Uh, once again, bye-bye Pac-12. So in my semifinals, I've got Alabama taking down Washington, and then Michigan facing Ohio State in the other game. I'm not even sure if they'd let that happen. They may not want a rematch in the semifinal, but if it does, I think that Michigan would also win the rematch. So then in my national championship game, Michigan and Alabama. I'm sorry, Nick Saban. I'm feeding you rat poison, but it will be great to be a Michigan Wolverine. Jim Harbaugh is going to lead Michigan to their first national championship since 1997 and their 19th claim title in the great sport that we call, for now, college football. Xander's facts. Y'all, mark it down. Michigan national champions. There you have it, y'all. The ultimate fact-filled preview of this season's college football adventure. And we only needed 80 minutes to break it all down. How about that? But don't forget, y'all, remember that I am going to be posting my predictions to every college football game that includes a top 25 team throughout the season, just like I did last year, beginning with this weekend's affairs on the Zaners Facts Instagram and Facebook, too. I think it posts to both. So my gosh, there you go. Facebook for the boomers, Instagram for the zoomers. I got all demographics covered with my facts. There you go. So you should definitely check those out. I'll be posting those before the games start on Thursday. And then it's Labor Day weekend. So we got games Saturday 
Sunday and Monday too. It'll be a good weekend of college football. And I thought I'd let you all know just before we go, one rule change in college football. I forgot. I was going to mention this at the beginning. I forgot to. But the game clock is now going to continue to run after first downs, like in the NFL, except in the last two minutes of each half. Rule change facts. Because you remember the clock stopped to reset the chains, is what they called it, when there was a first down, even if the player wasn't stopped out of bounds. Well, now the clock is going to keep rolling, except in the final two minutes of each half. So there you go. It's true. There you go. That's it, y'all. Those are all the facts I have. That is your Xander's Facts fact-filled preview of the 2023-2024 college football season. The teams you need to know, the players you need to know, the facts you need to know. So thank you all once again for listening to this week's edition of the podcast. Remember, if you liked all the facts on this week's edition, remember to go follow this podcast, download this episode, episode 116, rate and review the podcast. Check us out on other socials too, Twitter or X, whatever, threads, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Xander's Facts. That is Xander with a Z. And most importantly, remember to tell all your friends, spread the facts, Xander's Facts podcast. Tell all your friends about the podcast, about the newsletter, Xander's Weekend Facts, episode subscription, click it. And also the Xander's Facts YouTube channel because all our new episodes get posted to YouTube. You can watch with a nice background. Go subscribe. Check it out. We're over 100 subscribers, y'all. It's awesome. Go check out the Xander's Facts YouTube channel. And also check out the Xander's Facts link tree because it has all the Xander's Facts links that you need. That's episode 116. Next week is episode 117. And y'all, we did our college football season preview this week. So it's only right that next week we do our pro football season preview. We're talking NFL next week. My season preview. I give you my picks. You all rag on them, but they come true. So, you know, whatever. That's coming up next week on episode 117 of the Xander's Facts podcast. But that is it. That is a wrap on episode 116 of the Xander's Facts podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And we'll see y'all with episode 117 next week. You guys gave us a lot of really positive rat poison. The rat poison that you usually give us is usually fatal. But the rat poison that you put out there this week was yummy.